Hello, everybody. This is Riley from the Perfect Fourth Podcast. I just wanted to make a quick note that Kenny's audio messed up while recording. He tested it multiple times, and even after that, it still messed up. Uh, so there was nothing that we could really do about it. Thankfully, it's not super egregious. Uh, it's still listenable, and you can understand what he's talking about, but it may cause annoyance in some listeners. Thank you, and on to the podcast. Brought to you by BOGO. BOGO. Eat it, nerd. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Perfect Fourth, a name that uh, currently is subject to change. Uh, my name is Riley. Subject to change? Well, it's a working well, it's, title. Uh, I like the title. I, I, do too. I like the title, too. No, no, it's a oh, good I'm title. Kenny, by the way. Hey, what's up? It's me, Alex. That's Alex. Oh, I'm, I'm Andy. Yeah. Hi. And uh, we are a group of four teenagers that decided to talk about music for however long we decided to talk about it. Um, Specifically albums, I guess. Specifically albums. We'll we'll talk about other things as well. Um, What's the over-under on us looking back on this in five years and just cringing out our asses? I don't know. Like, that kind of seems inevitable for most things. That's what what happened last time. Yeah, but in only this two isn't years. like AudioCast where we're talking about, we're, 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 we're literally talking out of our ass for like an hour, and, <laughs> and we don't say anything of substance. Um, you should censor uh, for, for, Hey, editor. No, 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 it's fine. For those hey, of you that editor. don't know, um, me and Andy, oh uh, we had a music podcast for this <laughs> called AudioCast, and it was super dumb and lame and awful. Uh, for like three but, or for like four episodes? There were three three episodes that we released. There was a fourth. We did record a fourth. No, we planned to record a fourth. No, uh, we recorded that fourth episode, but we never released it for some reason. Did we? Um, Oh, okay. No, yeah, we recorded it. I remember. Oh, yeah, we did. Okay, so we recorded the fourth one. And then then at the... Well, the structure of that podcast, that now defunct podcast, is very eerily similar to the one of this podcast. And you'll, we'll get, but we'll get back to the, we'll get back to that one once we get to uh, section B. But I guess uh, we should probably formally begin the mm-hmm. first segment. All right. Do you want so, to take us in? Whoever. I will. I will take us in uh, because it was my idea to talk about this album. Uh, but the first album that we are going to talk about, uh, and uh, what we've decided to do is the first section of the podcast. Uh, we're going to be either talking about a newer album or uh, some sort of recent news and music, or we might decide to do an artist spotlight. It's essentially player's choice. And then the second half of the album, we will talk about an album that has been recommended on the podcast previous. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be in on what we're talking about, uh, be sure to listen to that album before we release the podcast that the album that we talk about is on. If you don't, it's fine. We don't discriminate. Yeah. in real life <laughs> honestly no, it doesn't matter actually, yeah in real life yeah we're actually uh, to listen to this. you can take this as like a recommendation for the albums too i guess if you're looking to listen to it but yeah I don't know. yeah dep- depends on what we say yeah your prerogative if 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 there is a reason that uh you've been trying to find to listen to it this is your reason um but moving on into the album that uh, i wanted to talk about uh, a r- relatively new album it was released uh about a month ago around around that time yeah january 29 2021 yes okay and uh the album that we are talking about is sound ancestors by madlib uh this is his first solo project in seven years since uh the rock conducta series that he 
uh, had started. Uh, and of course, he's done projects like Pinata, uh, Bad Neighborhood, the last one that he did, Bandana, uh, with Freddie Gibbs. But this is his first solo album in quite a while. Uh, and I thought it would be an interesting album to uh, start the podcast to talk about. Yeah. What did yeah. you guys think of the album? <laughs> okay. Um, I get. Does somebody want to go? <laughs> do you want to go first? No, no. You guys go well, first. Okay. Here's the thing with me is is these three are much much more of music connoisseurs than uh, I am. But I, you know, I. No, I'm definitely not. I just kind of listen to music. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you know, anything goes, I guess. Yeah. So going into this, I had no expectations, really. And as I was listening to it, I, I just took a couple of notes in in overall, I'd say I was um, I was actually pretty surprised. Uh, you know, there were there were a few tricks that I mean, you know, weren't really kind of my thing, but there were definitely some tracks that I have now gone back to since the first listen, which was. Uh, from the time we're recording this about two days ago, so overall, I'd say it was a uh, it was actually a pretty fun listen. I think I think pretty fun listen is a is a good way to describe it. I feel like yeah. I feel like um, all of the drums in this album. I don't really know if anybody else relates to this, but they're infectious. They're really good. All of the percussion yeah. on this album is really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's bad. Or... It's bad lib we're talking about. <laughs> After Mad, all. Madlib pays really good attention to uh, how his drums sound on nearly every project that he works on, um, and I, I am as as someone who has listened to quite a bit of Madlib, um, I am proud to say that this this album delivers. Uh, going going back again to the fact that this is his first solo album in quite a while, um, he's changed uh, the way that he's produced quite a bit from what I've heard. His last album, Bandana, that he did with Freddie Gibbs. Uh, he spoke in interviews about how he started using more digital forms of audio production because back in like the early 2000s when he was working with Stone's Throw, MF Doom, uh, Jay Dilla, all of those people, he was staunchly analog only. He would only work with uh, vinyl records, uh, tape. Really? Oh, I didn't Yes, know that. he's very, very, very uh, into the analog stuff. He would only use analog samplers and all that stuff. And then maybe, like, down the road, it would be sent into a digital master and all that stuff. I remember hearing somewhere that he mm. was even opposed to sampling off of CDs just because they were wow. a more digital format. In his earlier production, he was very, very, very staunchly, like, pro-analog. And you can hear that in a lot of his beats, a lot of the stuff off of uh, Quasimodo. No, it was kind of this, that was kind of the stuff that surprised me because, like... I didn't like. I didn't check any of the. I didn't check when the album released. I didn't know anything about the album before I listened to it. And like, it was. It surprised me that this is an album that came out literally this year. It sounds like it could have come out really at any time. Like, it, it's. It's. Yeah. I, I mean, it's. It's pretty timeless. It's. Uh. It, I. It generally. It took me by surprise that this was a recent thing. It could have. For me, it could have literally been. It could have been released like. Whenever. I don't know how accurate I don't know how accurate it is to say like if because uh, I'm not I'm not too well versed in the uh, in the school of Madlib here but I don't know how accurate it is to say if he's like cut from the cloth of the old school I guess if you want to say it like that but uh but yeah like there's definitely a lot of different it's like Alex said it's very hard to place a time period on this album mm. like if you you could basically tell me that it was 
literally any year between like 19 like 90 and like now and i'd probably believe you no matter what you said it's yeah like i don't know what like didn't was this made to be an album or was these just like a lot of these just like kind of stray files because i know like i know like fortet kind of curated a lot of this so um mad libs uh production like the way that he produces a lot of those beats He's incredibly prolific. You can just go to a Spotify page and see all the things that he's released, and it's pretty impressive. But uh, the way that he's recorded uh, just random beats and musical ideas, uh, from what I understand, he just has this sort of idea, and then he moves on to the next thing. So that's why he hasn't really released uh, like a ton of solo albums as of late, because mostly they're just musical ideas that he... like works on for like a week and then he moves on to the next thing. And so when Fortet approached him to say like, Hey, there are so many good musical ideas that you've, uh, that you've created. Let me take those and construct them into actual songs. That's really the, uh, the foundation of this album is Mad Lib taking uh, all the samples and the beat ideas, crafting those beats and then Fortet taking them and arranging them into songs which i thought was really interesting because quite honestly i couldn't tell what exactly was fortet and what was mad lib i've heard some of fortet's stuff before like i heard uh, his remix ep of mad villainy um and i've heard like a few other things that he's done but this really did sound like a mad lib album um and going back to what i was saying about his production uh, like a lot of his older stuff, they're just bathed in this like nostalgic fuzz. Uh, like uh, a lot of the beats off of Quasimodo, they have uh, like just a slight amount of bit crush on them. And mm. there are these really warm, just enveloping loops. Yeah. But again, as I said, uh, with Bandana, he's, he's started to uh, move into more digital forms of production, like iPads and stuff like that. And what I found, what I thought was interesting about this album in terms of its sound is that it actually sounds much more uh sort of isolated and reflective and cold not necessarily bathed in that warm glow that madlib is known for and what sort of put him on the map um and i don't know if that's necessarily because of uh the style of production that he's moved to or if that has anything to do with fortet's uh in inclusion but anyways i think that he pulls that particular sound off really really well on this album i love how crisp everything sounds on this album yeah i don't yeah yeah i agree yeah it, it's 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 hard to like kind of pinpoint good vocabulary to say for this album because i don't want to i don't want to keep repeating things that have already been said but like i don't know i'm not too uh like i said before i'm not i'm essentially a stranger to mad libs production aside from a few like um songs i've heard off of mad villainy which i still need to listen to that full album and discography but Either way, yeah, like, Mad Lib's production style is, like, at least vaguely familiar to me, but this, I, I don't know, if Ry if what Riley's saying is, like, as true as he, or, like, <laughs> if what Riley's saying is accurate, hopefully this is, like, a good introduction to his work, I guess? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Like, I don't know how, how much coldness I really got from this record, so to speak. I mean, I, I, mean, I hadn't listened to anything prior, and I was... Uh, I was uh, I was impressed, especially like there there weren't really any tracks on this that I thought were like boring in any way. It was all like yeah, it was all pretty uh, it was engaging all the way through. There were a few tracks that weren't really kind of my pace or my style, but all in all, I can definitely say that this was an engaging album. I I personally um 
I think, what was it? I think Sound Ancestors sounded kind of, I think it sounded cool, right? It, it was Sound Ancestors, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just, I just felt like it, okay. Only a little the bit. Album, the album, the single. The yeah, single. yeah, the song, yeah. The single, the song, whatever. Um, I felt like it just got kind of annoying. The same thing with Doombaye. Oh, the closing oh, really? track? Yeah. I disagree. Those are those track. are two of my favorite tracks. No, I seriously got annoyed at Doombaye. But everything yeah. else, I honestly really, I really enjoyed. Because I, like, I especially liked, um, the third track, the second track, and, um, the, thir- the 13th track. I thought those were all pretty solid. Let's track 13 again. Really? Uh, Latino Negro? Um, I, I dis I disagree about the 13th track. That's actually my least favorite track on the album. Really? And the reason why is because it, it starts out as just this like really grooving sort of Latin vamp, right? Uh, where it's just this band sort of riffing, um, on this, uh, however long the loop is Mm -hmm. and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going and it doesn't have any real progression and i'd be fine if it didn't have a lot of progression honestly a lot of these songs don't have a ton of progression yeah, like right there are a few that stand out beats. like uh like hop rock or uh two for two one for cortabe but uh the 13th track it's the second longest on the album and it has almost no progression whatsoever. And I just felt really bored. I mean, it's not a bad song per se, but it it doesn't it doesn't really go anywhere. It's a nice groove, but a nice groove for three and a half minutes. I don't know if I would rather be like bored of a song or annoyed at a song. That's a that's a pretty good question actually. Like I don't I don't know. Well, it depends how many boring songs are there and how many annoying songs are there, like, in a row, right? Would you rather listen to an annoying album or a boring album, right? An, an annoying album? See, we'll get, we'll, we'll get to this later with the next album we're going to talk about, but... Yeah. I, at least for me personally. <laughs> wow. For me That's personally. That's... But we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I guess we it. have the answer. Ugh. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Um, no, but we're okay. no, but we're not. Here's we're a, not there yet. Yeah. We're not there yeah, yet. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I know. I know. Okay. Okay. Uh, Andy. Yo. I don't, I don't think, or I don't really think I got an answer. Like, did you like this album? Oh did yeah. You like this album. Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. like this album. Um, it's. I was gonna bring this up earlier, but one of the biggest things I usually experience in instrumental albums, like memorability upon first listen is a big, like what's the opposite of a red flag? Like a, like Uh, a red flag is a flag that signals something bad. I want a flag that signals something really good. Like a, uh, um, uh, a checkered flag. Uh, yeah. Enticing quality. I don't know. I don't know. But like a, a big signal that this was really good was like, because memorability is really big, and one of the biggest problems that I have with instrumental albums usually is just that upon first listen, or especially instrumental albums where like it's a lot of tracks and most of them are really short, um, is that I leave and I'm like, oh, that was really good, but then I can't like remember any of the tracks from memory because they all were like super short and there was like a ton of them and I can't remember almost any. But like this album, it I could recall like a good number of them and i was like when when that happens on first listen it's like it's 
yeah, it's just a signal that you're listening to something really memorable and really good. So the fact that I didn't experience that with this album, which almost happens every time with every instrumental album that's like this, is pretty big. Um, I, cause, yeah, because I'm just not used to that, I guess. But going back to what like Kenny said about um the the last track, I I really like that track. I don't know what yeah, me I don't too. know where that sample is from. It's it's such a bizarre sample, and he uses it so much in the track. But again, on like the thirteenth track, he like builds upon it like the instruments start like playing along with it and i just find it so much fun uh for those of you that haven't listened it's this constant repeating of this phrase like dom 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 ba dom ba yay and it just keeps on going pretty much and there's like a little bit of a b section but it it just sounds so interesting and it it really left me with a with a pretty strong impression um i i really liked it i thought it was like i I did think it was interesting i did think it was fun i did think it was like objectively it did good at the song at what the song does right yeah Mm -hmm. i just kind of i just like a minute, in, like not a minute in. When there was a minute left, I was like, "Please get this over." Yeah, with. it's it's one of those songs that you kind of like, <laughs> for some like you kind of can't help but keep checking the uh, the progress bar there. Uh, like, oh, I disagree. Yeah, yeah. I can I can get completely lost in that track know. and most of this album, honestly. Well, there there is one track that I could get completely lost in, and it is my favorite track. And I want to ask like everybody's oh, yeah, favorite track. Yeah, but my Ooh, absolute favorite track on this album was road of the lonely ones yeah yeah mm. that's that's definitely a highlight yep it's i like the songs like i like songs that like kind of surprise me and obviously i didn't have really any expectations going into this album uh but with the thir- first three tracks they were like i really enjoyed the first three tracks but i don't know it, it kind of it was feeling like it was setting like kind of a for the rest of the album and then mm-hmm. fourth track comes in and i am i'm grooving i'm grooving to the maximum <laughs> it is it's such a good song and it is the song that i've gone to back the most since i first listened to the album what's uh what's your guys's favorite track as alex asked. Uh, yeah i agree with alex i agree with alex with the road of the lonely ones and uh my i, I guess one b <laughs> Would, if if I could if I could do that would be one for Quintabe and right now yeah that one mm. that one's another really great one in my opinion that was that song was great mm-hmm. or those songs were great I guess um oh. my uh my Road of the Lonely Ones is another highlight for me as well I I feel like it's the first like like the first point where the album like really hits its stride um i i love the first three tracks uh there is no time is a great uh mood setter for the album i love the call i love how funky it is i love how chill uh theme to crabtree is i theme three theme to crabtree theme to crabtree i think has some of the best drums in theme the to album crabtree is not <laughs> it's um, but, <laughs> like road of the road of the lonely ones uh it's it's so it's such a strange song because, like, while it is very uh, groovy, it has a good sense of rhythm to it. At the same time, it's also very sort of dreary and despondent. Like, you have these really haunting, like, uh, looped, uh, like, vocals in the background that are just holding out this tone. And it's it's so high-pitched and up there. It, it, gives, it gives me chills. And then there's the constant crooning of Road of the Lonely Ones. Um, and it, it, it instills such a mood. And I feel like this entire album, it's a good mood album. I'll, I'll, I'll say. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, yeah, that, yeah, it's definitely a good mood mm-hmm. album. There are some albums that you just like, you just kind of can't like focus on or not. I, I say can't focus on, but like that if you just like 
look at them and like pay attention to them. It's like if you like pay close attention and like examine like a Playboy Cardi record, you're gonna not like it. <laughs> That's the reason like, oh, I don't like trap. That's because you're listening to it with like your hands clasped. Like, like just paying, paying attention to only the, like, that's not how you listen to an album like that or an artist like that. And this is, I don't want to, I'm sorry. I don't want to like bring Mad Lib into cuts with Playboy Cardi because those are like two opposite <laughs> ends of the spectrum. But in terms of like genre, not quality, I'm not, I don't want to discard it. But either way, yeah. this is definitely an album that I think is really good to like listen to and be like, just don't worry about paying attention to all of it. Like if you pay, just like yeah. do work while you're listening. This to is a, music. yeah, it's a really good, it's a really good work album. It's a very good, like, <laughs> it's a very good album to just oh, like, yeah, have, yeah. have on yeah, in the background. That's a good way to put it actually. And I didn't answer. Um, favorite track is The Call. Definitely, I love oh, The Call. Yeah. I love mm, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, again, I don't. <laughs> again, I don't know where the samples from. I recognize the voice. I want to like. I have a Paul McCartney. Probably like that's what I was gonna guess, but I I was afraid of being called like stupid by Mr. Beatles over here. But um, <laughs> no, no, that's that that's not uh, that's not a Beatles voice. I will say, but I will hmm. say uh, the call. It's an interesting one for Madlib because it doesn't. It's not. It's not a genre that he usually samples from like seventies uh, like rock. Uh, and stuff like that and i haven't heard uh rock conductor uh but apparently he does sample more like rock music in that in that series but he usually pulls from r&b soul funk jazz like all the, all the all the staples right um and i just i i love the bass line on that song it's so heavy it's so thick um it's it's really grooving but um an, another one of my favorites um that's up there with road of the lonely ones for me is uh two for two for dilla um I, oh, yeah, I, I love it so much. It starts out with this really heavy, uh, like funk flip. Um, and it's just grooving so hard with these like synchronized, yeah, these synchronized like yeah. drum and bass, uh, like lines and it, it just syncs up so perfectly. And then eventually there's this really, uh, sort of ethereal transition. And then you get to the second half of that song and it is straight out of the J Dilla playbook. It sounds like it could come like straight off of the donuts track list. And I wouldn't even notice that anything had changed. It, it, it features these like wonderfully chopped, uh, soul vocals yeah. and it just layers so perfectly and it just induces such a uh such a vibe and a rhythm that every time i hear it i can't help but just move my head along to it it's so intoxicating i love it so much well i want to say one more thing i just want to give like a closing thought overall i've typed the i typed the word vibe more than i really ever have in my life into this one notes page <laughs> than anything i think that's i think that's a good thing because like for for hop See, I'm only gonna get this reference, but I t I typed Lego designer video type beat. <laughs> That's oh yeah, we it, didn't even really it mention makes sense Hop Rock. To me. Hop Rock is another like really big highlight on the album, in my opinion. I love Hop yeah, Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that was the um, first thing that came to my mind. But if we are gonna move to the next, yeah, hold on, the hold next on, record. Hold on, hold on. Do we want to do um favorite tracks, least favorite track, and score? Who wants well, we to did favorite off? track, but like um. Oh, I, I have, like, a full list. Oh, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, sure, yeah. Let's go around. Okay. I'll skim my least favorite track, which I'm pretty sure people can assume now. Uh, Dumbaye? Mm -hmm. Dumbaye, I guess. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of, like, I feel like if a song, because it's, like, I, 
I enjoyed the first minute and a half, and then the next thirty seconds, I was like, okay, I'm looking at the, <laughs> I'm looking at the progress bar, and then at, 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 like at the next and then for the next minute, I'm just like, please get this over with. Like I just can't stand this anymore. As a closer, I was a bit. Disappointed. I mean, I just. Yeah, yeah, I was very disappointed by the closer. I, I'm, I'm, I think it's a good track. I don't know if it's the best closer on the album. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I meant. Like as a yeah. closer, I did. But mm-hmm. go on, go on with your like your favorite and then score. Um, score. I'd say like like a seven. I feel like that's pretty fair. Yeah. It's like, of course, I really like a lot of the songs on this album, but I'm not sure if that this was like like an eight or six even like album experience. It's like it wasn't it wasn't very good. It was good. I enjoyed it, right? Yeah. But I don't yeah. think it was yeah. bad at all. I think it was just good. Mad Lib. I think Mad Libs is like in best form and in most recognizably great form when he's working with a really good vocalist but like like obviously when he's instrumental only with like this album and there are like a lot of vocals on this album but in terms of like mostly and mainly instrumental things with the only vocals coming really through samples it's still really good and you get a lot of great results here but i think like him in peak performance comes when he's working with somebody that has a lot of chemistry with him in terms of vocals Mm -hmm. so like that's Mm. I, I, I'm sure if we did something about, like, Pinata or Mad Villainy or another one of his, like, just expansive list of collaborations, I'm sure we'd be in, uh, like, be much more enthusiastic. But as of right, re- like, I have, I don't really, well, I guess I have some complaints, but none that are, like, major enough for me to, like, keep talking about, I guess. I don't know what my least favorite track is. That's hard to decide for this kind of thing. I think my least favorite, like, might... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to choose a least favorite track for this. It might be Hangout. That was the one I came back to least and, like, struggled to remember the most. But, like, yeah, in terms of... yeah, My favorite track I already said was The Call. I don't really want to give, like, a big list because I feel like we'd be kind of repeating stuff then but yeah just that's my favorite track hangout's probably my least favorite score like yeah pro- i i agree like i think a seven is good closer to an eight than a six but because it's madeline come on but yeah for, for me a uh, favorite track was uh definitely run of the lonely ones um least favorite track i didn't really i didn't really j- jive too much with uh loose goose that one just mm. yeah didn't want, that one didn't really hook me and then i as a score, I mean, if we if we do go into the the point fives, I guess that I'll, I'd give it a six point five overall as like an album experience. That's what I give it. But for some different tracks, I'd of course give them different scores. As an album experience, but I'd give it a six point five. Well, my favorite tracks, <clears throat> my favorite tracks were um, "There Is No Time," "The Call," uh, "Theme to Crabtree," "Were the Lonely Ones." Uh, I actually really liked Loose Goose. That that was one of my favorites. Uh, I love the the horn samples. Uh, I I just love how wacky it is. Um, I I just find it to be pretty interesting to listen to. Uh, Hop Rock, Sound Ancestors, One for Cortabe right now. Uh, I also really liked Hangout, Phone Off, uh, Two for Two. Uh, the New Normal was one that we didn't really touch on that I thought was uh, an interesting switch up and a, a type of style that I didn't really that I don't really hear from Mad Lib. Uh, I love how dusty and sort of harsh the synths are on that song. Um, and then Doombae and my least favorite tracks, track 13. 
And I would give this an 8 out of 10. I really loved this album uh, from other things that I've heard Madlib on. It's not his best, but uh, from his solo albums that I've heard, the only one uh, that I've also heard as well is uh, Shades of Blue, which is the album that he did in collaboration with Blue Note, uh, where he took a bunch of sa uh, standards and put his own spin on it. I haven't heard that in a while, so I can't really say how well this compares to that, but I will say that I did enjoy this album quite a bit. I loved it. Y'all ain't rockin' with rhythm chant? Huh? Y'all ain't rockin' with rhythm chant? That's a good song. <laughs> no, it, it, no it's, pretty, it's pretty lackluster. I in like the song. Same with Chino. I, I feel like Chino falls into that category too. Really, I like Chino as well. I like Chino. Well, yeah, yeah, well, not as well. And again, yeah. I don't. I don't think that there's like a bad song on the album. Even my least favorite song really just comes down to the fact that there wasn't much structure. Um, but in comparison to other songs, uh, those two don't really do it for you. All right, stand out. All right, so we're gonna be going on to our next album. Yeah, right? next yes. section. Resection. Yeah, okay. So, so, the, so was this this one? Was this the recommendation, or was this... Yes, if you're familiar with uh, two years ago when we did AudioCast, which not, is Andy, unlisted you forget, now. We, we, we didn't release this episode. Well, yeah, if they so... remember. Okay. <laughs> no, if you're familiar with how the structure is, then you know it's coming. But uh, oh, okay. this is the period where we recommend... Or actually, we go over an album that one of us recommended last episode. Um, and we actually chose... And this happened last podcast, too, or last podcast series... Uh, and last time, on the n never-released episode of AudioCast, Riley was up for recommendation, and he recommended Float by Aesop Rock. So that's the album we listen to, and uh, then the next person in line is going to recommend one at the end of the podcast. But for now, uh, we're going to talk about Float by Aesop Rock, which released in 1999, if I remember correctly? Yes. Should, okay. I, give a little, should I give a little background uh, to this? Sure. Yeah. Do what okay. you want. It's your world, I guess. Um... This actually released in the year 2000, September 5th to be exact, um, and this was Aesop Rock's first official studio album. He has projects before this, like, uh, I believe it was called, like, uh, Music from the Graveyard or something like that, and then there's the Apple CDP, but this is his first official album, and I know Wikipedia mentioned uh one of those projects was the album beforehand but this this is his first official album rhyme sayer says that it's his first official album so this is anyways um aesop rock uh enigmatic underground rapper rhymer um he's been at it for a very long time as you can tell he's still at it to this day uh with his latest project being uh guide to the spirit world spirit released world last year dead. Spirit World Field Guide, sorry. Um, and this is his first uh, project and pretty important project in his catalog in terms of establishing how he writes um, the types of production that he usually hops on, or at least in this sort of era of his career, um, and sort of putting him on the map in terms of uh, underground hip-hop artists and uh, establishing him and his fellow artists in that community as being uh, people to look out for. Uh, what were your guys' thoughts on this? I'm ready for this to be a pretty. It was uh, long. Conversation. Oh my goodness. No, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it was bad because I actually enjoyed it. Believe it or not, but it was long. Uh, did mm, it was uh, long. No, it was <laughs> only an hour and nine minutes. What are you talking? about? But it's twenty tracks and like. Yeah, I don't know. Is the thing with me is. I, yeah, the the length of it definitely was a thing for me, but I don't have anything really against long albums. 
I mean, there are like long albums that are over like an hour, even close to like an hour and 30 minutes. I will enjoy and I'll just blend in. But for something that already wasn't really grasping me from like the first three checks and for then the almost entire rest of the album to feel kind of like the same to me, it felt more like a chore to get through. Mm. But the thing is, if you were like, I would not say that really any of the, I mean, the, yeah, there are a few songs that weren't really my thing, but if I were to just pick apart one of the songs, just, I don't know, maybe from like the latter half of the album, mm. just pick apart that and listen to it just on its own, I probably couldn't find anything bad to say about it. But as an album listening experience, I just, around that last half, most of my notes were just not much to say. It's literally for like more than four, four or five of the tracks, I just put not much to say just because, I don't know. It wasn't really connecting with me. The tracks, I will say, the tracks, there are 20 songs on this album, right? And, like, the majority of them are over three minutes. A lot of them going over four and some into five. Or it's some even at least close to five. I think there was one that went into five. But there's three that are, like, less than a minute. Yeah. Okay. But I will say, in the, in the first half... Actually, no, yeah. In the first half, I found... I didn't, like, really, like love a lot of the tracks but there were like three that were really good to me and those those are probably my favorites however in the second half i uh i definitely enjoyed many more tracks than i did in the first half even if none of them were like oh this is really really good a lot of them were a lot of them are pretty good not i wouldn't call them as like good or as appealing to me as a lot of the tracks in the first half but i don't know it's a trade-off I, w- I will say that uh, I think that the second half is um, more interesting than the first, but um, I'm more familiar with the first half, mainly because it is a long album. So a lot of the time when I am listening to it, I only get around to halfway and then I have to stop listening for some reason. Um, but going back to this for the podcast, I've forgotten how many just like great songs there are. And a, lo- a lot of what has to do with quality, in my opinion, is what Aesop Rock is talking about and how he sang it. Um, and a lot of that can fall on deaf ears for people who don't really like to pick apart lyrics or who maybe some can't even understand him because the way that the vocals are mixed, he, they, he does sort of like blend into the beats just just a tad, just a tad. Um, and with how verbose he's being, it's kind of hard to 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 uh, follow along with what he's saying without a lyric sheet. But I'm, I'm taking nearly everything into account uh, when talking about this album and scoring it. And I, I really think that this is a fantastic album, uh, despite its length. I feel like there are a few songs uh, that could uh, have been left on the cutting room floor. But I feel like with each and every song, if you were to tell me, okay, how would you cut this down to make it a bit more concise? I couldn't do it. Every song, I feel like, is justified in its length, and therefore, I feel like the album is justified in its length. And it is pretty long for a hip-hop album. It's an hour and nine minutes, and that can be a uh, a demanding request for someone to listen to. But I feel like the quality is consistent that I was able to have a blast listening to this album. Especially uh, being able to pick apart some of the few lyrics here and there that uh, Aesop Rock is talking about. And just being like, that's an interesting line. And then it makes you want to go like go back to the album later on and look at the lyrics and be like holy crap, this guy's a genius, right? Um, that's that's what I find so appealing about the album, is that it's sort of understated in its yeah. presentation, but once you dig deeper, it's like, there's so much that you can pick apart. You know, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get you feel me? Uh okay. Do you guys have any any tracks in particular that you have a problem with or you like? No, it really like even on like two listens, it all just kind of blended together mostly for me. Like yeah. even on like even on two listens of this, I just I don't know. I can't remember a lot of these. I I had okay. So what I do with albums, right? Or at least what I tried to do. I don't think I did this with the Mad the Mad Live album, but I think I did it with this album. But um, what I do is I just do something while listening to the album, and then on another listen, I'll just like focus exclusively on the album. Mm -hmm. And this is the only album that I can say this for. I had the exact same listening experience as I did uh, focusing on it than what I didn't. Really? Yeah. See, yeah, yeah, that that's a good point to bring up. Is like, is you, there are some albums that you really want to like focus in on when you're listening to them, and then there are some that you can j literally just throw in the background, and then eventually it just melts together, and there's you almost forget that it's there. That might be the difference for me between uh, Sound Ancestors and this album, because when I was listening to Sound Ancestors, I was taking notes for every track, and I was just going down the list, and I was. I was really, really focused in on the album. And for this one, I started really focused in and then eventually dialed back and started to work on other stuff. And then around mm -hmm. that point is when I did, like, everything did start to feel like a slog for me. Yeah. I don't know. It, like I said, it's it, if you were to just pick out any track from really any point in the album, there's really nothing bad I could... I don't think I could really say anything bad about it. Like, there's, there weren't really any tracks that I had that I really hated. Even if the second half did have other tracks that if I were to listen to them separately, they would be more interesting than first half than the first half of the album. I really don't remember a lot of the second half of the album. And it's just because everything kind of faded. I don't know how, but, like, it felt more like a slog in the first half to me. Because there were just, like, fewer tracks I liked, I guess. Or just fewer tracks I really liked, or remembered enough but i think the reason no i think the reason it felt like a slog to me in the first half more than the second half is because when i was in the first half and i like listened to the first track and i was like this feels long this is i have i have yeah. an oh, hour yeah, and I, seven I more minutes of this album like i and and then all of a sudden just everything feels like it's going at a snail's pace just in my perception especially when like two tracks after that you have a five minute song and then a four minute song but like either way by the second half i was like well, like seatbelt in now like i'm used to this i guess so like and by the second half i was just like okay i know what's coming i'm already halfway through this doesn't feel as slow to me anymore especially because again there is just a better abundance of tracks that appealed to me but um another thing uh aesop rock's voice we should talk about this uh <laughs> okay so i, I don't the, have any pro i don't have any problems with at, his voice, okay well so. i don't either i think it's at the beginning good. at the beginning like upon it took me a while to get to a position where i was like okay i can listen to this album no interruptions let's go so the first few like attempts were interrupted pretty early and every time i walked away from that like Two or three tracks in, or sometimes even just like one track in, and I was just like, huh, I don't know how well I can get into Aesop Rock's voice. But then I realized, like, that's stupid. Like, there's one track 
on uh, his 2016 album, The Impossible Kid, called Kirby, that I really like. And I was like, I don't know. It's not his voice. I guess it just, his voice just really sounds different in this album in yeah. 2000 compared to the one he made in 2016. And, yeah. like, because I knew for a fact that one of those I liked way, way more, this just kind of became harder to listen to in comparison. I don't really, um, because, yeah, there, there, there is a, sort of a fundamental difference in uh, Ace's voice, uh, and I think it was his 2009 album, None Shall Pass, where he sort of shifted into a lower register, a bit more gravelly, um, and along with that, uh, with subsequent albums such as Skeleton, Impossible Kid, Malibu Ken, he uh, sort of trimmed up his lyrics. They're not nearly as verbose. They're much easier to get into. His flows are more streamlined. Uh, like, another thing that I was going to say is that his flow on this album... It's so bizarre because it doesn't f it doesn't feel like a normal flow. It feels like he's just sort of sh like like spouting poetry along with the beat, but he has these very subtle anchors throughout the rhythm uh, of each bar where eventually it does get to the point where it's like, okay, yeah, no, he actually is rapping, right? Um, and a lot of the, like, he has these really bizarre, um, like, rhyme schemes and the way that he's uh, able to eventually connect those, like, later down in the track, I find it to be really interesting. Um, but yeah, there is, there is a fundamental sort of shift from modern era Aesop with uh, earlier Aesop. I don't really prefer one or the other. I just think that they're different. I, I, I do have something, I guess, to add on to the, the thing you were saying about, like, it sounds like poetry just over a beat. That's, I think that has something to do with, like, I guess my opinions toward the album, because for me, when around the second half, when I just kind of dialed back and was paying attention to it, wasn't really paying attention to it. I guess it felt like I could just take the vocals from one song and put it over the instrumental of another song and I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Yeah. I don't know if yeah, it, I understand. Yeah. The instrument like it it gets it gets really hard to like just uh, d to distinguish a lot of the tracks on these. Like I mean, I guess cuz I'm not a dedicated Aesop rock like fan or like someone who dives deep into the lyrics or anything but like when you have an album this long and with this many tracks and with these and with the tracks being as long as they are it can get uh yeah it can get tough to make stuff that sounds distinct and memorable and like while i don't think all of this is like I don't think it's a bad album like I don't think it's bad that that he has the sound of this like like locked down like really solid but like yeah I it just gets really hard to differentiate one track from one another and uh, the fact yeah, like I, I I didn't think about it this way but when Alex said like you just probably plop a vocal from any one track and put it onto an assortment of other tracks on this album and it would be pretty hard to tell the difference I yeah, I, I pretty much wholeheartedly agree with that. Not for all the tracks, but for some of them. I wholeheartedly disagree. I feel like for for the mood that the album is going for, uh, and Blockhead, uh, the, the executive producer for the album, really does find like a signature sound or style that he locks oh, into. Blockhead's a real but... guy? Yes. I've never heard that yes, name before. I thought, yeah, like a, I thought it was like a I thought it was like a I thought it was like a character. Based no, on like the he, breakfast, no, that... lunch and dinner thing. No, that's why Breakfast with Blockhead, Lunch with Blockhead, and Dinner with Blockhead are literally just beats that go on for like a minute. It's because he's the producer. I, I disagree. I feel like there are a lot of really memorable spots within the album, and there are also tracks that sort of well, break yeah, up the flow a little like, bit. 
like the, I feel like the intro is a really great opener. It's really dark, brooding. It's only bass and drums, uh, and features one of uh, Aesop Rock's uh, sort of most understated uh, performances on the album. He's very sort of like lyrical and, and and wilting, and he does this sort of inflection, right? And then you have literally the next song, and it's really grooving, um, not necessarily upbeat. It still keeps that melancholic mood, but it's more lively. There's more instrumentation. Then you have Big Bang with these bustling drums, uh, heavy bass lines, really weird sort of like guitar. Big Bang is my favorite trick. Big Bang you? is great. You have like the the like the the sort of waltzing strings in the background, and there's also that beat switch on the third verse where it like it like peels back, and it's just like. Uh, the violins and the drums it's so like interesting and again moving down the track list basic cable skip town 6b panorama spare a match attention span how to be a carpenter like there are so many different like musical ideas throughout the beats on the album that i find like yes how to be a carpenter it features this like lone trumpet sample with these ethereal strings or synths or whatever and it's just like wailing away into the beat while aesop rock is lecturing on uh, is lecturing you on how to be a carpenter that's one of my favorite songs on the album because he he literally replaces the entire hook with just like this is how you got to be a carpenter do this and, the, and it's it's so funny this album has such a sharp sense of humor and satire that just in and of itself i find intriguing um but you add that to the way that he writes his lyrics and then you get a song like 6b panorama which is literally aesop going up onto his fire escape and just describing what he sees and you get these really clever lines like a junkie tourniquet surgeon trying to find a vein to inject heroin into and a pregnant woman on the verge of bursting and it's just like this is the stuff that i'm talking about where sure you can have it sort of on in the background when you're not really paying attention but eventually when you do pay attention you get like hidden gems every once in a while there's there are these lines that pop out and it's like that that's a good line. That's funny. That's interesting. And then it's like, okay, I really like this album. There's there's only one song that I actually dislike, and it has more to do with the feature rather than the actual oh, is song it, um, itself. And uh, I'll be okay. No, no, I actually I oh, attention span is one of my favorite songs on the album. Okay, um, cool. I was gonna. I was, oh yeah. No, it's cool. it's it's I'll be okay. And the reason why is because I don't think Slug does a very good job with his verse. He constantly sounds like he's trying to catch up with the beat. And especially when you compare that to, to Aesop's very uh, lyrical uh, sort of interpretation of his flow. It's like, yeah, no, Slug, you just really didn't cut it. And also you have like the really cheesy harmonica sample with the weird yeah, guitars no, as well. It, no, it's no, it's no, just no, sort no. of clunky and weird. But that is the only weak spot on the album, in my opinion. I feel like every song is quality with a few dips here and there, but it doesn't get to like bad except for I'll Be Okay. Every other song is consistent as fuck i i love this album so much there's so many different highlights and like certain points that i could pick apart and just be like this this, like i i absolutely love this album and it's an album that i have i have been listening to for probably three years and i'm still finding like little pieces here and there that i've never noticed before and i'm just like every time i listen to this album i love it more and more i will say uh, I will say, I, okay, I will say that, like, I found I was more, I was more interested in instrumentals than the vocals for the most part, or not more interested, I just, like, found more to like in the instrumentals than I did in the, like, obviously there were bits where, Same like, there were obviously a lot of bits, like, lyrically, that just, like, I zoned out, and then one of them just, like, caught my ear all of a sudden, and I was momentarily back in attention, but... I really like the instrumentals on this album, I will say. And when I was like, 
was this was this him? Was this self-produced? And I looked at most of it and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this was him. Like my favorite track, uh, commencement at the Obedience Academy. I love that instrumental a lot. Like it yeah, reminds me of. It is. It is one of my favorites. I don't know. I say this for every song, but I don't know where the sample is from. But it sounds really familiar. It reminds me a lot of. Uh, my favorite soundtrack, uh, the Space Funeral soundtrack. I don't know. I don't want to talk about that soundtrack until we get to a space where we can, or an episode where we can. But, yeah, just, like, a lot of the instrumentals just reminded me of that kind of, like, that kind of sound where it's, like, I don't know. I'm bad at describing instrumentals, but they there was a very distinct sound. I could distinguish the instrumentals more than I could the vocals, is what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. The vocals were clear, but I think... I'm not saying I don't like his voice, but I'm saying I think just the way that his voice is, it kind of slurred in a little bit with the um, with the some of the instrumentals. Yeah. Only some of them though. I couldn't really pinpoint exactly when or which or which songs, but I think it just like at some points I I just kind of like didn't focus on his voice and just imagined it was a part of just like an instrumental, mm-hmm. like a sample or something like that, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So, do uh, let's let's do like favorite least favorite score. Yeah, I was about to say like we should be just talking about like our favorite and least favorite. And well, I, I already said my favorite. Just commencement. Yeah, commencement. I don't know. Well, what yeah, my but least we'll just we'll is. just recap it. This is really similar to the Madlib album where it's like it's really hard to pinpoint a least favorite track because I don't like have any big like standout problems with any of them. It's more so that I just can't really remember most of them. Ugh. Excuse me. That's ex- that's exactly my situation over here. The easy uh the easy out is the inst- is like the three thirty second interludes that kind of like scatter throughout like each part of the album. But um I don't know I like those. I thought lunch with blockhead was actually L- really lunch good, lunch with yeah seconds. lunch with blockhead is Din- my favorite. Of the okay, three. dinner like with those. blockhead. However, it was like like with, with dinner with blockhead like. That was the first thing that really stood out to me because it was like at the very almost at the very end of the album, when Dinner with Blockhead came out, I was like, well, "What's this?" I thought it was like one of the songs too. It's just like, "Oh, it's just a no, second interlude." I don't know. I don't know if we should keep like doing least favorite tracks for when we have like albums like this because I cannot like I can't. Well, it's fi- it's fine if you can't pick like pinpoint one. Like you don't. Oh no, yeah, it, it, this is. <laughs> We don't have to keep this all robotic. You know, I know and what stuff. my favorite track is. Um, I think what I think my favorite track is "Spare a Match." Spare a Match I don't is know really what it good. Is about the instrumental and and his vocals in that song, I don't know what clicked for me, but it was so good. I don't know what why the instrumental sounds like this, but like there's this one there's this one soundtrack for a Borderlands expansion, like a Borderlands Two expansion, and it sounded like just like a town theme. There was just like I don't even remember what. What the town theme exactly sounded like, but I remember just hearing this song and thinking of that because it sounded so similar. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? Oh yeah, score. Score? Uh, probably either six or five point five out of ten. I would probably give this a six because I don't have any problems with it, but also I don't see myself listening to this full thing for a little while or ever again. <laughs> no, I don't know about ever again. Like I'd, I would probably go back to this and listen to it in full. In the background, like this isn't something that I have to detox from on like uh, another album, which we may, <laughs> which we might talk about in the future. But um, but yeah, this isn't an album that I have to like take a break from. But it's just like, because you, know, you can return to this super easy. But this isn't one of those albums where it like hooks me in and it's like, oh, now I gotta listen to the full thing. If you like, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. 
Score six if I didn't yeah. say that already. Yeah. No, I was I was just gonna say I I will say this album is a slow burn and it gets better with time. The first couple of uh, times that I listened to it, like for the first year that I was aware of this album, I was only really aware of all of the songs up to like six B Panorama, and then everything after that it was just hazy and I didn't remember anything. But like slowly, once I started listening to it more and actually got through to the second half and listened to it more, you get songs like How to Be a Carpenter, No Splash, and it's just like okay. Okay, yeah, there there's more that this album has to offer. And I'm at the point now where I think I mean this is one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time. Uh I, I if you're a hip hop fan, I think that it's essential, especially if you're an Aesop Rock fan and you haven't reached into this part of his discography yet. I, I think it's I think it's a really great album. Uh my my favorite tracks are uh this, this is gonna be a bit of a long list, but float. Mensman uh, at the obedience ceremony, Big Bang, Garbage, Basic Cable, which you, which we didn't really talk about. Um, oh yeah, Basic Cable is my second favorite. Yeah, I really like that Basic one. Basic Cable, I, I I find to be interesting because it offers really really sharp commentary on television while not being preachy. Because Aesop also falls to the same sort of uh, sins and desires that TV offers as the people that he's criticizing. Like he's he's not uh, above that criticism that he's giving, and I find it to be really really funny. Uh, with with lines like um uh, like uh, be my mother while she's gone and then like literally the next line he's talking about like oh yes wipe the dribble off of my lip please just take care of me um i i, I just find it to be really funny uh oxygen skip town i don't remember that part yeah no that's what i'm saying like once you listen to these to to more of the album more often you'll start to find like really really funny lines that you just didn't like listen to uh, that you didn't hear the first time uh oxygen skip town which has a really really great reggae uh instrumental or sample that he pulls from uh we didn't really talk about that uh 6b panorama that's one of my absolute favorites lunch with blockhead is the best of the three instrumental uh pieces Attention Span featuring Vast Air, which is a much, much better uh, pairing for Aesop than Slug, despite the fact that they literally went on to make uh, some collaborative albums together. But Vast Air, uh, the next year, would go on to do uh, Cannibal Ox, which is another uh, groundbreaking underground hip-hop album that I also need to give a listen to. I haven't really listened to that one yet, but... uh... How to Be a Carpenter is hilarious. Uh, Prosperity. No Splash, I thought was bizarre, because the entirety of the vocals are these like grouped gang vocals, but it's all Aesop rock and it's for the entirety of the song. It reminded me of um, Learn to Love Hate by Quelle Chris for some reason, where just the entire song is done with these doubled vocals and it makes for a really chilling and eerie effect. And the the hook is literally just these random words being repeated by this monotone voice that I I, I just found it to be pretty haunting. Uh, Drawbridge and then uh, The Mare and the Crook. And my least favorite track is I'll Be Okay and my score... Uh, is nine out of ten. I really, really love this album. I think it is a, a yeah. Well, I thought classic. it was garbage, and I'm gonna float it into the sun. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. No. <laughs> so no, but in, in all seriousness, I guess as an album listening experience, not too it, much seriousness. It, it it didn't grasp me, and I again I had no expectations going into this at all. Um, I will say my favorite track was Big Bang. That was the one that, like, Big Bang was the one that really caught my ear before it started to kind of blend all together. Of course, this is my point of view right now. If I ever go back to this, whatever. Scores change, is all I'm saying. But in this time right now, I'd probably give it, like, a three to three and a half. 
Really? Oh, wow. Yikes. Wow. That's a much, that's much lower that. than I was getting from vocabulary. I was thinking of I was thinking of four, but I realized how much of the tracks that I really, really don't remember at all. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that memorability, it, it can be a bit of an issue for someone that's not like, okay, I'm ready to pay attention to the lyrics. Um, and because it, do, it does demand a lot of your attention, but you need to be focusing in the right places. If you just give it like a cursory listen while you're taking notes, then it's going to eventually blend in together. But if you're like following along with the lyrics on Genius or something like that, I feel like you could get a lot more out of this album. And the fact that Ace's verses are so verbose, like you really do have to pay attention to keep up. So you start to pay attention to some of the smaller things in the track list. Um, and yeah, and like I was saying, there are other things that just sort of pop out immediately. Like um, that one part on um, uh, Oxygen, where it's like the third verse, but it just sort of breaks down for a little bit. And it's a back and forth between himself and he's like talking to himself oh, on yeah. what he no, should I do like, like it, it's like stuff like that where it's like like again it's just like that's that's really clever and you don't really notice those until you you like you know how to listen to it it is an album that you sort of warm up to with time or at least that's that's that, that's what my case was with it yeah yeah i i was saying it was like i was i was willing to take notes you know because because i listened to i listened to mad loop first um throughout all of mad lib i was a uh, I was taking notes on it, like, and I was, I was like, oh yeah, that's a part that I really liked about that song, and I was taking notes at the very beginning of, uh, of Float, but yeah, it just kind of dipped down after a while, and I just, mm-hmm. I didn't have much to say, so. I feel like if this album was three EPs, I would give them each a much higher score, because, like, while you were saying... Some like some things about your favorite tracks, Riley. I was going back. I have Spotify open. I was just clicking on them, seeing like, oh, which one was that again? Uh-huh. You know, and all of the songs are good. I'd say not all of them, of course. Like I agree with you, I'll be okay is not good. <laughs> I feel like all of the songs are good. I just felt like the length of this album is really just not helping it yeah i'm still yeah i still don't i'm still not entirely convinced about the length of this album being just and i'm not saying that an hour is like unheard of or anything but like i don't know it definitely becomes much more apparent that it's an hour long when it's split across 20 tracks yeah and all of the tracks are like pushing four minutes even five minutes on Mm -hmm. some of them yeah yeah but but again uh like well, like what I was saying, uh, like if if you're paying attention, like we we didn't even really touch on Ace's lyrics. Like, of course I did because I've listened to this album so many times. But if like if you really do pay attention to the lyrics, there's so much to dissect in those alone that if you're focusing on them, that's when it starts to become more apparent that the that like that's the focal point of the album is what Ace is saying and again how he's saying it. There there are albums where. You know, you can sort of listen to the lyrics uh, just as they're coming at you and you sort of get the gist of it. But because of how esoteric uh, Aesop is, especially oh, at this that. point in his career, it, it it gets to be a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and even even when I was trying to listen to the album and focusing on the lyrics, I was like, oh, man, this is, th- there's still so much to pick apart um, just with each individual line. And it's 
comes very rarely where there's a line that you actually understand just on its base meaning alone. Like literally the inf- the first line of the entire album is this fallen angel could stitch a wing with a shoestring. What the hell does that mean? It's nothing. Right? It, get, it, gets, it gets so like hyper-specific to Ace's experience and uh, the things that he's endured and how he writes that it, it, it gets to be sort of like, um, uh, gets to be a turnoff for a lot of people. And a lot of critics of Aesop Rock say that his songs don't mean anything and they're just, you know, verbose wordplay to throw on top of a beat, which I disagree with. I feel like um, he says a lot of things within his tracks, but you just need to be focusing on the right thing in order to understand them. Um, and th- And I feel like the lyrics are probably the best part of the album, and it sucks that we didn't really get to talk about them, but it is, it is something that comes to you with repeated listens. And again, and again, I've been listening to this album for years, and I still find things that I've never really paid attention to before. But, yeah. But what do we know? What do we know? What do we know? Yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying no, I'm not saying that any of your guys' criticisms was invalid. I feel like for outsiders to underground hip hop, I, I mean, no, 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 from what I understand, you guys are like it, yeah, it can it can be a bit of a, an acquired taste. Cut this, cut oh this out of the God. podcast, but right. uh, but I was uh, just gonna make that like a running bit, you know, you know, like at the very end was like, well, but what do we know? <laughs> but cut this out of the podcast. Don't even don't put this in. Okay, uh, that's staying in. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, in terms of opening lines on the song, and again, it took me a few listens to really, like, like, some songs, it just takes you a few listens for you to know, like, oh, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, on the first, like, couple of attempted listens, when I only got, like, a few tracks far, when I got to track two, I didn't really think much of it, but on the first, like, full listen, when I listened to track two... And, like, the instrumental came in, and then he said, uh, like, in terms of opening lines, you said the the one in Float, uh, I prefer the brand in uh, track two, uh, the harvest appeared less plentiful than last season. Uh, because that just, seed that, that's a, that's that entire a, That entire opening is so good. As soon as he said that, I was like, all right, I got it, I'm in. Harvest appeared less plentiful than last season, I imagine... Yeah, I imagine sloppy seed handling evoked a, uh, a stroke of tardy planting and the crops we'd have harvest mid-November. It, like, it goes on for so long, and it it's it's so consistent, too. Like, once, like, I really, really wish we could have delved into the lyrics, but it is, again, it is hard to listen to. And we didn't even get into, like, what each of the songs were talking about. Really, the only one that we talked about was, like, 6B Panorama and Basic Cable. But there are so many different, like, themes that you can pick up on throughout the record that I feel give it a really good sense of cohesion, despite the fact that you guys think that it's overly long. Um, I, I think it works really well as an album, despite it being an hour long. Um, but yeah, do we want to move on to the recommendation for next time? Usually once we're done with the uh, the second album, uh, once we actually get an audience, uh, we're, we're going to try and open up a Q&A section. Uh, but, you know, depending on how many people listen to this, if you want to ask us a question, just leave it in the comments and we might talk about it in the next episode. But um, apart from that, I don't think we have much else to talk about. Going on to recommendation. If you want to understand what the hell we're talking about in the next episode, then listen to the album before the next episode comes out two Saturdays from now. Andy, what is your recommendation? Me? Oh, um, okay. Um, I've known what I was going to recommend. Uh, and a part of me was considering, like, when I first found this album, I will... Okay, no, I don't want to give a long intro. It's uh, Herbivore by Jacob 2-2. 
which is one of my favorite albums of all time. And it is also an instrumental album, but it's only like 30 to 40 minutes, I think. I think like 36, if if I'm remembering correctly. Um, its name is Herbivore, and it is very good, and it is a big influence on how I uh, make music and my taste in instrumental music and like and like samples and vocal samples. I will say, before you listen to this album, I will say uh, I am already anticipating like a few criticisms that you will have with this album, and I'm gonna say right now, I really don't have any defense for those. Like, they're, yeah, like, they're there, and they're valid, and I'm honestly, like, whether you see it, like, I'm at a position where it doesn't bother me, but if that's something, but if they come in and bother you, then, uh, like, I get it, I guess. But, uh, they're no problem for me, I adore this album, it's one of my favorites of all time, but I think there are, like, one or two problems that some of you may have that I yeah i really can i really can't like i like this album i think all of you will get a lot of that a lot out of this album and it's yeah it's short so can't be that bad we'll have to give it a listen so the recommendation for the next episode is herbivore by jacob 2-2 uh i hope you all have a wonderful week whatever you guys decide to do and And uh, well actually you know i just i'm gonna end end this off with my famous opera so oh yeah okay go on Cut it, th- cut, cut it there. No, cut it there. <laughs>